Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live and, proclaim, and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Thank you. Thanks, Caitlin, so much. I'm going to ask you to join with me as I pray um, and as we think about God's word and ask for his help in understanding that. Now, Father, we thank you that you have spoken. We have your word and through your word you continue to speak. Help us to appreciate what you have said and may it encourage us to keep living and following and trusting you. Amen. Uh, both, uh, we've got, I've got three children, uh, two boys and a girl. Both our sons learned a bar brass instrument when they were in primary school. Uh, one a trombone and one a saxophone. But as they grew older, the instruments lay dormant. They weren't used at all. I never had the opportunity of learning music. I think probably it would be true to say if I was given the opportunity, I still wouldn't have wanted to learn music. But in my late 40s, in uh, wanting to find something different to do in my life, I decided I'd take up the trombone and try and learn that. 
I had lessons for a couple of years. I had lessons from the teacher at my son's primary school and I was ready for my first exam. I arrived at the Newcastle Conservatorium. I was feeling nervous. I'd never done anything like this before. And yet there was a sense of anticipation because I've accomplished something and feeling, okay, an opportunity to show off, an opportunity hopefully to pass the exam. The person I learnt off said to me all his students were on the same day and he told me what day that would be. He told me the time that I would be and, and the number of times during the week I checked the time, make sure I had the time right. Well, I turned up the conservatorium and there was a sheet with a whole lot of list names and I began looking for my name. It wasn't there. I felt agitated. I probably missed it, so I looked again. It wasn't there. I'm feeling now quite nervous. And I said to Elizabeth, is my name there? It wasn't there. I looked at the piece of paper that the, my teacher had given me and it had the day before. He had told me the day to come, which was the day I was there, but for some reason, me as one of his students had been placed on the day from the other students. I had been preparing for months and now my expectation was ripped away from me. Expectations. They're such big things, although we don't often realise we have them. Maybe you were going to buy a property. You go and you want to put in a bid in an auction and it's gone. Or you want to go and rent a house and you expect that with your references you'll be a good chance. But it's gone. Expectations are based on what we assume will happen or we want to happen. And when we expect something that doesn't eventuate, it often catches us by surprise. We didn't actually realise we had expectations until something doesn't work out and all of a sudden we react. We need time to process, to allow what is so unreal to us to become real and part of our lives. And in that time, as we're trying to process, it's so easy to complain. If only, if they hadn't, if he had done. Our upbringing, our personality, our culture, our experiences all contribute to the expectations that we have. But as people who are interested in following Jesus, what part does God's goodness and love play in our expectations? Or what part do they play in helping us adjust when our expectations are not met? On that first Palm Sunday, when Jesus rode on a donkey into Jerusalem, there was a crowd with high expectations. And yet within a week, those expectations have been dashed. All four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, 
include a verse in the narrative and that verse comes from Psalm 118. As Jesus rode in Jerusalem, the gospel writers say that the crowd called out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It comes from this psalm. Psalm 18 is a, a psalm of thankfulness, a thankfulness for God's intervention in a situation that seemed to have no hope. The psalm begins and and actually ends the same way. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. It's a psalm that was written by an individual. We know that because there's lots of I and me and my. And yet in verses 2 to 4 we find this individual is also a leader as he calls the nation and priests and all who fear the Lord to affirm that God's love endures forever. And the person who wrote this psalm, like us, when there is anguish or temptation, there is the opportunity for us to be afraid. In fact, verse 5 says that he was hard-pressed. It means... The situation was squeezing him and squashing him. But rather than complain, he cried to the Lord and the psalm tells us that he found victory in him. And God rescued this person out of the situation he was in, out of this being squeezed, hard-pressed, and he brought him into a spacious place, a place of confident security. In fact, a man who lived hundreds of years ago, a man called Martin Luther, wrote this about this psalm. This is my psalm, my chosen psalm. I love them all. I love all Holy Scripture, which is my consolation in my life. But this psalm is nearest my heart, and I have a peculiar right to call it mine, It has saved me from many a pressing danger from which nor emperor, nor kings, nor sages, nor saints could have saved me. It is my friend, dearer to me than all the honours and power of the earth. It's a precious psalm. But we're not told why it was written. What is the context? Maybe this is just supposition. Maybe it was a situation like when a king, a king of Judah called King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, went out to wage war against two nations, Moab and Ammon, that were coming to battle him. The king and the people prayed to God. They knew God had delivered their nation in the past. He knew they knew God that ruled kingdoms. And through a prophet, God said, do not be afraid or discouraged. The battle is not yours, but God's. Take up your position, stand firm and see the deliverance that God, the Lord will give you. And the next day, King Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing praise as they marched out. And they sang, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they're marching out and 
these men are singing praise to God, the Lord set ambushes for Moab and Ammon and they were defeated. In a situation where there was no hope, God intervened. But the psalm also points back to when God's people were in Egypt without any future or hope, slaves. In fact, verse 14 of the psalm is the exact same words in a line that Moses wrote in response to God's deliverance in Exodus chapter 15. The Lord is my strength and my defence. He has become my salvation. The psalmist thanks God for his rescue in a way that was reminiscent of the Exodus. God delivering from impossible situations. And yet as this person writes the psalm, there's still problems. For verse 25 says, Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. And over time, an expectation grew that God would send someone who would permanently deliver Judah from their enemies. And as Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day, the crowds shouted, Hosanna! God save us! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He was the person. Here was the person the crowds thought that the psalm was pointing to. And yet Jesus didn't fit the religious leaders' expectations. And with failed expectations, they rejected him. Interestingly, after Jesus rode in, he confronted the religious leaders and quoted part of this psalm to them. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvellous in our eyes. Jesus was God's anointed ruler, but not in the way they expected. Victory, God's intervention, would not be through a military conquest, but the sacrifice of Jesus' own life. And looking back now, we can see that See the inkling of that in the psalm. For verse 27 says, With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar, referring to a sacrifice. A sacrifice. Well, what may be a response that we can make on Palm Sunday? I want to suggest two things. It's a psalm of thanksgiving. So the first thing is to be thankful for Jesus' unique journey revealing that God's love endures forever. Jesus' journey was part of his movement to the cross. And as Jesus entered, the crowds were enthusiastic, welcoming him their expectations being met. Things are going well. And like the crowds, when things are going well, we can rejoice and sing and thank God 
But what happens when he doesn't meet our expectations? What happens when what we expect him to do doesn't come about? What happens when we get cancer? What happens when our family members suffer from mental health? What happens when you are retrenched? What happens when your marriage breaks down? Or a suitable marriage partner can't be found? What happens when friends you've known all your life have turned their backs and don't want to talk to you? What happens when a family member dies? Things that you didn't expect to happen and all of a sudden they confront us. Are we like the religious leaders or the crowd who grow cold and complain when our expectations of God are not met? Annie was a lady. Uh, I used to be a registered nurse many, many years ago. Many, many years ago. Many, many, many years ago. Over 30 years ago. I am only 35, but that's all right. <laughs> Annie was a, a lady who I nursed at Sutherland Hospital. I worked for a couple of years in the rehab ward uh, at the hospital. And Annie was an old lady. She was probably close to 80. She had diabetes. And as a result of that, she'd already had one leg amputated. And she was beginning to lose toes on her other leg. She had very poor eyesight also as a result of diabetes. And her upbringing had been tragic. She had one sister and they didn't get on. She told me she had an involvement in church many, many, many years ago and we would have some God discussions and a couple of times I took her to the church I was going to. She could not accept that God was good because of all the things that had happened to her in her life. Her expectation was that if God was good, he would have done something about her life. Surely, if God really cared, then my life would be different. I don't know about you, but often there is a tendency to judge Jesus by our expectations of him, not by his expectations of himself. Jesus' expectation was that he would trust his Father, who is good and whose love endures forever. A man called Henri Nguyen said, to be grateful for the good things that happen in our lives is easy, but to be grateful for all our lives, the good as well as the bad, the moments of joy as well as the moments of sorrow, the successes as well as the failures, the rewards as well as the rejections. That requires hard spiritual work. Still, we are only truly grateful people when we can say thank you to all that has brought us to the present moment. As long as we keep dividing our lives between events and people we would like to remember and those we would rather forget, 
we cannot claim the fullness of our beings as a gift of God to be grateful for. Let's not be afraid to look at everything that has brought us to where we are now and trust that we will soon see in it the guiding hand of God, the guiding hand of a loving God. I wonder whose expectations of God are you holding? Are they your expectations of God or Jesus' expectations of his Father? Jesus' death demonstrates God's goodness and his enduring love. In fact, the Apostle Paul can write, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Be thankful for Jesus' unique journey that reveals God's love endures forever. And the second thing is be assured in the midst of our expectations that God's love endures forever. We're often unaware of our expectations until something happens that we don't expect. I didn't realise how much of an expectation I had about that trombone exam until it didn't happen. Can I just pause there for a minute? I learned something from preaching this morning. I haven't played the trombone much since then. Everyone came up and asked me afterwards, what are you still doing about, are you still playing the trombone? Uh, Just to let you know, I'm not still playing the trombone. (laughs) I hope it's some time to take it up again, but rather than thinking about that, rather than thinking about the sermon, I'm not playing the trombone. We're often unaware. I wasn't aware of what that would do to me. The crowd on that first Palm Sunday had expectations of the type of Messiah Jesus would be. And when he didn't act that way, when they didn't act the way that they thought he should, they crucified him. Expectations that are not met, bring up a whole range of different emotions within us. Maybe anger, or grief, or disappointment, or jealousy and resentment. And we need time to process those. Sometimes we need people's help to process those, to help what is, as I said before, so unreal become part of the reality of our lives. But as we go through those times when expectations are not met and we are distraught, such discomfort can seem to make it seems as though there is no future, there is no hope. And yet, like Martin Luther as we read this psalm, that God's love endures forever, gives us wonderful assurance that our salvation is not based on people or situations or how I feel or how I respond, but on the Lord Jesus. In the midst of what happens, we have an enduring hope because of God's enduring love. 
I had a, a friend uh, who I went to primary school with. Uh, his name was Jeff. I went to North Strathville Primary School. And then I went to Homebush Boys High School. Uh, Jeff also went to high school, the same high school. Uh, we lost touch after that. But maybe 15 years ago, uh, or 20 years ago, we reconnected again when Jeff and his family began going to my wife's church, my wife's parents' church. Uh, we went there occasionally when we had a Sunday off and I saw him and yeah, the friendship kind of began again. In 2008, Jeff, his wife and his two sons were at Mollymook. They went down there every week, every year. Um, and this particular day, as they did each day when they were down there, they went to the beach. Jeff's, both his boys were caught in a rip. Uh, and he saw them, and he saw their distress, that frantically trying to get back, getting exhausted, and seeing their helplessness. Jeff went in trying to rescue them. Tragically, his son survived, but Jeff drowned. That Jeff demonstrated his love and commitment for his sons is not in question. He was a hero. And yet his death could not save himself. In fact, his death could not even save his sons. No one's death can save another person from God's judgment. But Jesus, who was without sin, died and his death is sufficient to deal with all sin and bring forgiveness and eternal life. And his family now live with longings that they wish could be fulfilled if Jeff were still here. But they keep looking to Christ not to Jeff as the means of confidence for the future. On the events of that first Palm Sunday, God's hand was involved and assures us as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, moving towards his death, that God is for us in Christ. So we can be thankful that Christ's sacrifice offers forgiveness and freedom for all who trust and align themselves with him. His death would defeat death so that we may share in his life. And I need the constant reminder, I need the constant reminder of that, that God's love endures forever to keep infiltrating my expectations. I can so easily forget that when things go wrong. I need that God's love endures forever to reframe my expectations. I can't stop what I feel. But I can invest what God says about his own love into what I'm experiencing as I go through difficult times. And so, 
I encourage myself and I need constant reminding when I'm going through difficult times that I can give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his love endures forever. Please let me pray. Now, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the beautiful words that your love endures forever. Your love never ceases. Your love is always sufficient and nothing can stop it. Thank you for such a wonderful truth. Now, Father, we confess that often we don't feel your love. We thank you for its demonstration through Jesus' death on the cross. Thank you for the opportunity of being able to give thanks even in difficult and challenging times. Maybe not for those things at the time, but thankful that your love endures forever and that your good hand is always involved. We pray as we try to infiltrate the events that happen in our lives into our lives to make them reality. We pray that you'll help us remember to reframe our expectations that you are not distant but that you are good. Thank you that we are loved in the Lord Jesus and for that we can give thanks to you. Amen.